Are you looking for ways to strengthen your marriage? Would you like to raise children you enjoy being around? Do you long for a peaceful, orderly home that's a blessing to everyone who comes through its doors? Then you've come to the right place. I'm Jennifer Flanders, a Bible-believing, homeschooling mother to 12 and host of the Loving Life at Home podcast. Join me as we discover what God's Word has to say about marriage, motherhood, and minding the things that matter most. Hello, friend. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Loving Life at Home. Today, we are recounting stories of God's provision. And the reason I'm doing this is because I got a letter from a listener. She writes, Dear Mrs. Flanders, Surely in your years of raising a large family, you have seen examples of God's provision. In these times of inflation and debt and shortages, raising a large family feels like signing up for a future of poverty. Do you have any current post on your website, or would you consider doing a post or podcast at some point regarding God's provision, especially with personal testimony of how God has provided for your family in the past, or any similar stories from friends, history, etc. I know the health and wealth gospel is a lie and that God does not guarantee us a comfortable house or a full pantry, but He does tell us not to worry about tomorrow and that He knows what we need. He also told His people so many times in the Old Testament to continually retell the stories of His faithfulness to the next generation so that they would not forget Him. I think it is helpful to continue this practice as a community of Christians rather than to communally bemoan the current government and predict a miserable future, to collectively retell our stories of God's faithfulness and provision, to bolster each other with God's sufficiency, not ours. Personally, I am pregnant with our fifth child that I was not feeling quite ready for yet, and trying to figure out how to fit a fifth child in our house and car feels impossible in the human economy we live in. I know God's economy is unlimited, but I can't see His future provision today. It's so easy to become fearful and discouraged. Surely I'm not the only one bearing this burden, and so I wondered if you might be willing to employ your social media presence to be a reminder to us all, to help us turn our eyes to God to encourage us to tell our own stories and comments, to remember them ourselves, and to read each other's. I think we need it. Thank you, as always, for sharing your faith with the public. God has made it fruitful. As a mom of a conspicuously large family from my area, it helps me to know there are other large families working faithfully at their God-given tasks, even if they're far away. Well, I think this listener's idea is a great one, and what better time to share a few instances of God's faithful provision than the week of Thanksgiving? The answer is yes. Our family has countless such stories, far too many to fit into a 20-minute podcast, but I'll share a few of our favorites along with some of the lessons I've learned over the years. I hope there'll be an encouragement when you, too, might be facing difficult times. Thankfully, we serve a God who is interested in the details of our lives. We will never face a problem too great or too small for Him to handle. We will never experience a need that His riches and glory are insufficient to meet. I'm not just saying this theoretically. I can back it up with personal anecdotes, and even more importantly, I can back it up with Scripture, starting with Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply all all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
But we also have stories dating back decades, miraculous answers to prayer, which I'll intersperse with 10 important lessons that we've learned along the way. The first lesson is be willing to ask. James 4.2 tells us you do not have because you do not ask. Now, I'm not suggesting that you pray for a Lamborghini. Again, God is not a genie in the bottle, and we do not buy into the prosperity gospel myth. James goes on to explain you ask and don't receive because you ask ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. But if your requests are not rooted in selfish pride and ambition, then you don't need to be afraid to pray big prayers. Also, you don't have to understand how God could answer your prayer in order to pray. He fed the children of Israel with manna from heaven for 40 years in the wilderness. Who would have seen that coming? With God, nothing is impossible. And here I'll tell you a story that was really a turning point in my daughter Rebecca's prayer life. She and her sister had rescued two little baby squirrels that had fallen out of a tree and were abandoned by their mom. One was a little bit more injured than the other, but they brought them home and started nursing them back to health with the intention of releasing them once they were old enough. At at this point, they didn't even have their eyes open, which meant that they had to be fed every two hours round the clock, morning, noon, middle of the night, all of that. And so Rebecca especially had been the primary caregiver for these little squirrels and was doing such an excellent job. But the one that had been more badly injured did end up dying. And as she held it, realizing that it wasn't long for this world, she just was begging God to do a miracle because she had read that squirrels do better when they are released back into the wild if they've had a little squirrel friend that they've been raised with. They'll know more about behaving like a squirrel if there's two of them than if one is raised in isolation. And she really wanted this squirrel to be able to make it and the wild once we released them. And so she was just begging, begging, begging for a miracle. But the little boy squirrel died. The little girl, Susie, was still alive. But I kid you not, within 24 hours... We found a box on our front porch, and inside the box was a new little baby squirrel, the same age as the one we had just lost. And we, again, had no idea where it came from, but we recognized it for what it was. It was a special delivery straight from heaven, an answer to this prayer that my daughter prayed for a miracle. And she was able to raise both of those little squirrels together, and they grew up and were ready to release at the same time, which was awesome. Susie ended up coming back to our porch frequently to visit and eat nuts until she had a litter of her own and then she stayed away. But we later found out that the squirrel on the porch had been dropped off in a thunderstorm one night by a neighbor who had seen something I had posted about the other squirrels on social media and knew that we knew how to take care of them. But her dog had brought this baby squirrel to the back porch and, and deposited him on the back porch. And they had no idea how to take care of him. He was still alive, but God used the dog to bring the squirrel to her, who brought the squirrel to us, who provided a little playmate for Susie. And that was an answer to prayer. And Rebecca realized that God is interested in even the seemingly insignificant details. If it's important to us, it's important to Him too. So I just want you to be encouraged by that. Then the second thing that we learned is to be open to secondhand blessings. Back when we first got married, my husband and I were both poor college students. But at at least at that time, we had jobs. 
Soon after he graduated, my husband quit his jobs. He had been working three at the time to start medical school, and I quit my job to stay home to care for our new baby and all the babies that would rapidly be following that first one. And so we were poorer than ever, at least by earthly standards. And the means by which God provided for our needs during those early years were very often garage sales. I know I have some listeners in other countries, and maybe they don't know what garage sales are, but it's uh, some people call them yard sales, some people call them tag sales, but it's just when a family gathers up all the stuff that they don't want anymore and prices it, puts it in their garage, and sells it to strangers. And so I would shop these garage sales. We got everything that we needed at those garage sales, the clothes that we wore, the books that we read, the furniture we sat on, the gifts that we gave each other, almost everything came from garage sales back in those days. And I remember when I first brought home a set of glasses to use in my kitchen, we needed some and I brought them home from a garage sale and my husband was like, I'm not so sure I want to drink out of cups that other people have been using. And I said, honey, what do you think we do when we go to restaurants? Do you think that they give us brand new cups that have never been used? You're drinking after people all the time when you'd go out to eat. So what's the difference between that and bring it home. Same for sheets. You know, when you go to a hotel, somebody else has slept on those sheets. And so I would buy sheets and bring them home for our bed when we needed sheets. It was a fraction of the cost I would have paid new. And I was able to wash them in hot water and they were fine. So we were definitely open to using secondhand things. I'm still, even though I can now afford to buy it brand new, why would I when we get such great deals at garage sales and and thrift shops? So I still shop that way. But back in those days, I would keep a running list of the things that our family needed and I would pray over it. I'd shop every Saturday morning for about two or three hours and my mother would normally go with me and I would just have my list of what I was looking for. I would pray over that list and time after time after time, God would lead me right to the things that I needed that week. I remember one time the sales were kind of scant that weekend. Cool weather had set in. And I guess people didn't want to be out in the cold. And so we weren't finding a lot of sales that morning. We would just, you know, go around and see the signs and follow them. And so somebody had just posted a sign that said, Sale of the Century. And we kind of rolled our eyes and thought, Oh, yeah, right. And started to not even follow that sign because of the hype. But there weren't any other signs to follow. So we drove down the alley and found that sale of the century. And I'm telling you, it was a sale of the century. And I think I marked off just about everything on my list, plus some at that sale. My little boy, who was about four at the time, needed a winter coat. They had a wonderful London fog coat that looked brand new for 50 cents. In fact, all of their clothes were exactly my children's sizes, and they were all 50 cents a piece. Even the adult clothes, the woman that was having the sale, was my size and she was getting rid of some of her clothes that fit me perfectly and they were 50 cents a piece. I still have earrings that I wear today that I got from that garage sale. 50 cents, almost everything she had was 50 cents. It was wonderful. But that was just one example of all the many, many sales that we found during the time of our life. But another thing that we learned during garage selling was to be specific. I had a pretty specific list already, but my mom would observe how often God gave me exactly what I was praying for that she started being specific. 
Matthew tells us, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? So my mom thought, well, if it works for Jennifer, I might as well try it too. And so she started praying for specific things. Uh, I think one of the first things she prayed for was she had a set of desert rose dishes, which is a pattern. It's kind of an off-white china with these big dogwood blossoms all around the edge. So she had a, a small set of that at home, but our family just kept growing and growing. We kept adding grandkids. You know, eventually we had 12 children and and now Doug and I have 20 grandkids. And so she saw that she was not going to have enough place settings for the whole family pretty soon, as fast as our family was growing. And so she just prayed. She said, God, I'm not in a hurry, but I would love to find some more Desert Roads dishes. Sometime maybe at a garage sale, I can find some of those. And so once really within the week of her praying that, we were driving our normal triangle. And for some reason, we kept seeing signs ahead that were off the route we normally took. And so we just kept following those signs and we ended up way off in a different suburb of Dallas called Richardson, which was far from home for us for a Saturday morning. But we ended up stopping at a garage sale. This was a week after she prayed for the Desert Rose dishes and she walks up and the first thing she sees is this huge display of Desert Rose for a dollar a piece. The dishes were a dollar a piece. They had divided vegetable dishes and cups and plates. Anyway, she she took it all and had this huge set that would accommodate our growing family very easily and was so encouraged that God would answer so quickly when it really wasn't something that she needed. It was just something that she desired. But he was so good to answer that prayer and demonstrate that taking time to pray and pray specifically really paid off. So later when my dad decided that he wanted a new mattress, he wanted one of those sleep number mattresses, which were even back then were pretty expensive. And my mom thought, well, I'll just pray for a queen size sleep number mattress at a good price. So she prayed about that and was searching the classifieds, hoping that maybe God would provide a sleep number mattress for her and the classifieds. And she noticed an ad for a king size sleep number bed for uh, $500. So she thought, well, I'll call these people and ask them some questions about why they're getting rid of it. If I explain up front that I'm not interested in buying a king size bed, maybe they'll just be honest with me and tell me what it is that they didn't like about it. And so she calls up this family and says, you know, starts asking questions. And they said, well, I'm sorry, the ad was actually wrong. It's not a king size bed. It's a queen size bed and it's brand new in the box. I inherited it from my aunt and I don't need it. We have all the mattresses on all the beds that we need. And so it's still in the box, but it's not king. So if you're looking for king, that's not going to work. And she said, no, we're looking for queen. And he said, well, since it's not king, we'll knock the price down to $300. But actually my dad bargained with him. He's a big negotiator. And so they ended up getting this brand new queen queen size sleep number bed for $200 because my mom had prayed specifically for that bed and God was so gracious to give it to her. So be specific and you just would be amazed at how quickly God can provide for you. Then the fourth thing that we learned was to be generous. My husband came home shortly after he started medical school. So neither of us at this point had a job. I was staying home with the baby. He was going to class and that was just all consuming 
as far as his time went, he had no time for a job. So we were living on school loans at the time. We were living in this little apartment that was pretty cheap. And he came home one day after a walk and said, Jennifer, one of our neighbors is about to be evicted because he hasn't paid his rent and he has no money to pay. And I feel like we should help him out. And I said, oh, Doug, we're living on loans ourselves. It just doesn't really make sense that we'd loan our loan money to somebody else. And, and Doug says, no, no, I don't mean I want to loan him the money. I want to give him the money. I don't want to see this older man kicked out on the street because he can't pay his rent. And I'd like to not just pay last month's rent, next month's rent is due right away. So I'd like to pay two months rent. And so we prayed about it. And I said, okay, fine. If that's uh, what you feel like we need to do, even though in my mind, I'm thinking that does not seem like a very smart thing to do when we ourselves are living on loans. We may be in the same position as the other guy is before we know it, if that's how we manage our money. But he wrote a check and the man took it to the front office and paid his rent and wasn't evicted and was able to stay on top of it after after that and stayed in the apartment as long as we were still in that apartment. But um, the people down at the front office, I know, saw Doug's name on that check because about three days after that, they called our apartment and said, listen, we're looking for somebody that would be willing to answer phones for the front office three nights a week. They'll be forwarded to your house and we will cut your rent in half if you'll do that for us. And what what an amazing provision that was for our family. So the little two months rent that Doug paid for that elderly gentleman ended up being returned to us so much more abundantly. You know, we lived there for five years and paid half rent for the rest of the time we were there, which is just amazing. And and such a demonstration of Proverbs 19.17, who says, He who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. Now, we weren't thinking about that verse when we agreed to pay the man's rent. In fact, that that wasn't even in our mind. It was later that I read that verse and thought, oh, yes, God did this for us. He did this for us. So I would encourage you to be generous. You can't outgive God. So be a channel of blessings. Be the hands and feet of Jesus, no matter where you are financially. Luke 6, 38 tells us, give and it will be given unto you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Now, this is not limited to giving money either. When our firstborn was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at 22 months old and had to spend a week at Children's Medical Center, Doug and I took turns. Well, actually, Doug never left the side of his bed, but I would divide my time between the waiting room downstairs where I nursed my newborn. Uh, They wouldn't let me take her up on the floor, so my parents came and they stayed with her long enough for me to go see Jonathan, and then I'd come back when it was time to nurse. And it was some kind of a week, the week that he spent in that hospital. And we had one sweet friend that knew that that those medical expenses were really going to rack up and sent us a check to help pay for it. She explained that she and her husband had just received that check. I don't know if it was a tax refund or somebody was repaying something they had loaned some years before, but they explained that it had just come to them and they felt led by God to forward it on to us so that we could use it towards medical expenses, which was such a precious 
thing to do and so helpful. But you don't have to give money to be generous. I had another friend at that same time while we were in the hospital who really wanted to help, but her family was living on a shoestring budget just like we were at the time, and they weren't in a position to give financially. But while Doug and I were at Children's Medical Center, she and her husband and their two young children came and they cleaned our entire apartment better than it had ever been cleaned before for the whole time that we lived there. And they even left a huge container of six-week bran muffin mix in our refrigerator for us, all ready to just spoon out into the muffin tins and bake as many as we needed for as long as we needed. It lasted for several weeks worth of breakfast. And they left a beautiful Easter lily on our coffee table. And I can't tell you what a wonderful blessing it was to come home to that fresh, clean house. And I still think of Karen every time I see an Easter lily because that was the first one I had ever had. But it was such a sweet, sweet gift and such a generous gift of friendship. So being generous is not just money. Giving of yourself is so important as well, whatever you have in your hand. Then the fifth thing we learned was to be proactive. Don't wait to pray until you're desperate. Just sidestep all that anxiety and pray early. You keep working and you keep doing what you can on your end to meet your needs. But All the while, you're trusting God to bless the labor of your hands and to provide for your needs just as He promised He would. Now, a great example of this is when my daughter was in dental school. Um, I don't know if you know this, but in dental school, you have to have teeth. I don't mean your own teeth in your, your mouth, but you have to have a full set of teeth that have been extracted from other people. So dentists that are in practice, anytime they pull a tooth, they'll save it in a jar for dentists in training that come after them. And so a local dentist had heard that two of our children were going to dental school at the same time, and he gave each of them a jar full of teeth. He said, here, you're going to need these. I can't imagine, you know, in medical school, that would be kind of like saying you got to bring your own cadaver for your anatomy class. But in dental school, that's how they work. You had to have certain teeth and they had to be in a certain stage to be able to count so that you could demonstrate the clinical skills that you've learned in dental school. Anyway, I don't understand it all, but she got to the end when she needed a complete set of teeth and I think she had three and she was so desperate and didn't know she thought she was going to fail. She would not be allowed to pass if she did not have this full set of teeth to work on for her clinical finals. So she, for some reason, she had not talked to her brother. They were at the same school, but she hadn't discussed it with David. She uh, probably felt like he was in the same boat. They both got a jar of teeth and she only had a few in her jar that met the specifications that she needed and and figured that David was in the same boat. But it was down to the wire when she was going to go in and she had tried every way she could think of besides talking to her brother to track down the teeth that she needed. And she just finally, at the last minute, she's praying, God, I don't know how I'm going to make this work. I don't have what I need. The test is just a day or two away. And would you just do a miracle and take care of this for me? I don't know what to do. And she had spent so many months worrying about it, but she finally just gave that over. And if I fail, I fail. And so she goes to her desk the next morning and laid out on her desk is a full set of teeth, exactly what she needed. She didn't know where they came from, but found out later that they came from her brother. His jar had all the teeth he needed plus some. In fact, he had 
almost two full sets. And so he made it his goal to fill in the missing teeth on the second set because he thought that he would like to be able to offer that to some classmates. So he had succeeded in getting his own full set and completing a second set and had laid that second set out on Bethany's desk so that she could have first choice. He thought maybe that she might still be missing a tooth or two. He had no idea that she needed nearly the entire set. And he was just going to offer it to her first and then let her give whatever teeth other people needed to them. But she needed the whole thing and God provided it for her through her brother. And she was so grateful. But it also made her think, why in the world did I not pray about this sooner or talk to David about this sooner rather than just trying without the prayer to do something in my own strength that I obviously was not able to do. So be proactive in your prayers. Pray early and keep working, but trust that God will bless that work of your hands. Then the sixth thing that we learned was to be alert. Sometimes God gives you exactly what you ask for, like my mom with that sleep number bed or the desert rose dishes. And sometimes he gives you grace to do without what you ask for, like Paul with the thorn in the flesh. Paul says he prayed three times that God would remove the thorn in his flesh. We don't know what that was, whether it was a physical ailment or a speech impediment or poor eyesight. There's lots of conjecture what that thorn might have been. Perhaps it was another person that was giving him problems. But the point is, he prayed and God let it be known that it was there for a purpose. And God didn't give Paul what he asked for. He didn't remove the thorn. He just gave him the grace to bear up under the thorn. So sometimes that's how he deals with us as well. Sometimes He gives us exactly what we ask for. Sometimes He gives us grace to do without what we ask for. Sometimes He gives us something even better than we ask for. When I was in high school, I prayed a lot of prayers about one certain young man that I thought would be a perfect spouse for me. But God said no to those prayers and ended up bringing somebody far more suitable to me and and bringing the other young man, somebody far more suitable to him. So sometimes He improves upon our prayers. Another example of this is when we were building our house. Once my husband finished medical school, we moved to Tyler. We bought a house. As our family grew, we started to outgrow the house that we were in and we built a house. And the house that we were building had a guest room upstairs that we were making really with our missionary friends in mind who would come back on furlough and need a place to stay. And so we built this upper room for them. And I was trying to sew the linens for this room. And I had spotted a Waverly fabric at Hancock's. Hancock's isn't around anymore, but it used to be a fabric store and it would be the my go-to store for finding fabric and material for the sewing projects that I would do. And so I had found this beautiful blue and white Waverly print that I really wanted to use for this bedroom that I was doing at the time, except that the print was like $25 a yard, and I just could not bring myself to pay $25 a yard, even though at the time, I guess we could have afforded $25 a yard. It just seemed exorbitant, and I didn't want to pay that much. And so I was praying that God would have them put that on sale before I needed it. I had a particular weekend that I was wanting to sew these linens before my baby was born. Anyway, I wanted to get it done by a certain date, and pretty frequently, Hancock's would put their decorator fabrics on sale for 50% off. So I thought, well, $12.50 obviously would be better than $25 a yard.
hard. And so I was praying that Hancock's would put that fabric on sale. So I was driving home from San Antonio to Tyler and I drove through a little town called Sunnyvale and realized that I was almost out of gas. So I pull over to a gas station, fill up the card, and then on my way back to the highway, I notice a garage sale sign. So I think, oh, I'm running a little ahead of schedule. I'm going to stop at that garage sale and just see what they have. So I walk up the driveway to this garage sale and what is one of the first things I see but a bolt a full bolt of that decorator fabric, the exact print that I needed, the blue and white Waverly fabric. And they had 40 yards for $10. So instead of paying $25 a yard, I paid 25 cents a yard for this fabric and had more than enough to do all the curtains and the dust ruffle and line the comforter and pillowcases and everything I wanted for this bedroom. Plus I had some left over. Anyway, God provided something even better than I was asking for half price and he gave me one one hundredth of the price. So I mentioned that one time on my blog and somebody, a reader, wrote and said, how selfish of you to pray for Waverly fabric. And I was a little bit floored by that. I wrote her back and I said, oh, you just don't even know the half of it. I've prayed for much crazier things than Waverly fabric before. And if that's selfish, then I'm sorry, but I am so thankful to serve a God that delights in providing for us far and above our expectations. Anyway, sometimes he gives us something even better than we asked for. And then sometimes he gives you resourceful ideas for getting what you ask for. For instance, when my father died, my mom really did not feel up to going to the funeral home to make arrangements for the funeral. And she asked me and my sister if we would go do that. And so I did a little research before we went to the funeral home. I had heard how expensive funerals were, and I knew my mom was going to be living on a fixed income, and I didn't want to overspend. I didn't feel like that was be the most honoring thing for my dad would be to spend a fortune on his funeral when I didn't have to. So I found a place called Funeral Depot or something like that online where you could order caskets through the mail at a fraction of the cost that you would spend at the funeral home and they would ship it directly to the funeral home. And so I printed out a few choices that I thought looked nice and brought those with me when I met with the funeral director to discuss the arrangements for my dad. And so he took me back in the back and showed me all the caskets that they had available. And one of them was exactly the same brand and style, everything, as one of the ones that I had printed off. And so in my mind, I was thinking, well, I'll just have this funeral depot send the casket to the funeral home and save some money that way. But when I started to tell them my plan, they said, oh, don't do that. We'll just match this price. Let let us have the piece of paper. We'll sell you that same exact casket and we'll match the price that you have here on this paper. And beyond that, he also told us about something I wasn't even aware of, which was we had a national cemetery in Arlington, Texas, that had been built for soldiers. And because my father was a veteran, he was able to be buried in that beautiful, beautiful cemetery for free. 
It cost us nothing. That was just part of his service to the U.S. was to have a little plot of land there that not only could he be buried in, but his wife, when she goes, will be able to be buried right there in the same cemetery. And again, at no cost. And I didn't even know about that cemetery. I didn't know about that program, but they told me about it. And that came from that resourceful idea of, hey, maybe I can get a casket for less than it would cost me to do it at the funeral home. So again, God is so faithful to provide for us, but he he doesn't always do it in the same way. Then the next thing that I learned was to be grateful. Don't forget to thank God for his provision. George Mueller used to thank him before he even had the provision in hand. He'd have hundreds of hungry orphans sit down around the breakfast table with empty plates and not so much as a morsel in the pantry, and he would lead them in prayer saying, Lord, thank you for the food we were about to receive. And no sooner did the words leave his mouth than he'd hear a knock, knock, knock on the door, and a man outside would explain how his milk truck turned over and the milk was going to sour before he could get it to where it belonged, you know, could George and his orphans use it. Or a bread truck had lost a wheel and they weren't going to be able to deliver the bread in time and could the orphans use the bread. And so time and time again, God provided for George Mueller and he was so confident that the Lord would provide that he'd offer thanks even before he had the provision in hand. Then number eight would be, be persistent. Ask and keep on asking. Some prayers aren't answered overnight. Again, I'm pretty sure it was George Mueller who prayed his entire adult life for five unsaved friends, daily by name, but he died without seeing a single one of them come to faith. However, after he was gone and buried, all five men became Christians. And my husband and I have prayed from the day we found out we were expecting that God would draw each of our children to himself from an early age. And and he has been so faithful to answer that prayer. But we've also prayed that God would provide appropriate spouses for each of our children. And he's given us five wonderful daughter-in-laws so far, but we're still waiting and still trusting and still praying for him to send godly husbands for our adult daughters, as well as spouses for our younger children when that time comes. But That hasn't happened yet, and we are going to remain persistent in praying. Then number nine, be open-handed. Cling to Jesus, not to things during difficult times. We should pray with Jesus, not my will, but thine be done. Sometimes God has a higher purpose for withholding something we've asked for, and we've got to learn to trust his goodness in that. John Newton once observed that everything is needful that he sends, and nothing is needful that he withholds. So let us say with Job, naked I came into this world, naked I shall depart. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's Job one twenty one. Here, one of the things that I've had to learn to hold with an open hand is my houses. That house with the missionary suite upstairs was such a wonderful house for the time that we were there. But the time came that I realized my husband was thinking about selling the house. We had read David Platt's book, Radical, and we had a new president that was trying to move towards socialized medicine. And some of our kids were starting to college, and we had some job uncertainty, even though we've had a very secure job here in Tyler. There have been times when there were takeovers 
or splits in the group. And so at this time, I could tell that my husband was seriously considering putting the house that we built on the market. And selling the house is one thing, but having to keep it show ready when I had 10 or 12 kids living in it and was trying to homeschool them and the thought of having to vacate the premises anytime the realtor wanted to show the house was just overwhelming to me. So I began praying that if God really wanted us to sell the house, that he would just send a buyer to our front doorstep and we wouldn't have to put it on the market. And don't you know that's exactly what he did? Somebody came and saw the house and offered to write us a check for it if we could beat out that weekend. Thankfully, thankfully, his wife wasn't ready to move herself that weekend, so we ended up having a couple of months. But we shook hands. We sold him the house without ever even putting a sign in our yard. The deal went through, and we moved. Then later, we built uh, another house, a smaller house. And just last year, my husband split from the group that he was with. And because he had signed a non-compete, it looked like we were going to have to leave not just our town, but the whole state. He had several job offers in Indiana, so we were going to have to move far. But even before we knew that part of the puzzle, he was perseverating on the fact that he thought these changes were coming. And I could tell again that he was thinking about making a big move and putting our house on the market. So that time we were on vacation when he started thinking about this. And so I said, can we just enjoy our vacation and postpone this? And he thought, no, I I really want to settle it now. So I said, well, why don't we just flip a coin? And if it's heads, then fine, we'll proceed with it. If it's tails, then you're going to stop perseverating on it and we're going to enjoy our vacation. So we pull over, we pray, we flip the coin and he spends the rest of vacation on the phone with our realtor. And I spend the rest of it trying to choke back tears because I really just don't like to And I especially don't like to move far, far from home when we had all of our children here in Texas. So I was intellectually on board with that decision, but emotionally, I was just really broken up about it. Nevertheless, we did put the house on the market and it did sell. And amazingly, we priced it ridiculously high and got even more than we asked. We, We sold at the absolute peak of the market and that was such a provision from God and, and such a confirmation that he really had directed that decision. Fortunately, we ended up not having to take any of those jobs in Indiana because the hospital ended up buying out his non-compete. So he's still working at the same hospital he's worked at for 27, 28 years. And we're so thankful to still be here. But again, that was definitely, definitely a God thing. Which brings me to my 10th lesson, which is to be quick to give God glory Another thing that happened recently was my daughter went with some friends to Europe. They have 10 children. Emma's for Mama. You may follow her as well. And if you don't, you should. She's awesome. But they were going to Europe. They have 10 children, including a young set of twins that they wanted some help with um, so that they could do some activities with older kids and have date nights and stuff in Europe. They were there for 45 days and they just wanted somebody to come along to help with those little ones. So they had more freedom to do other things with the older kids. So Rachel was the one that had the privilege of doing that. And fortunately, she started packing for this a week in advance. And thank God she started packing early because when she did, she pulled out her passport and we have a stack of passports as you 
you can imagine for my husband and myself and all of our kids. And almost all of those passports don't expire until 2027. But for some reason, Rachel realized when she pulled it out less than a week before she was supposed to board the plane with this family that's counting on her, she realized that her passport was expired. And so I start praying, but I also start making phone calls. And I called a regional passport office. And there's several all over the country. So I call to find out if I can get in to deal with this problem before she's scheduled to leave the following Monday. And when I call, the only appointment available is in Hawaii. Hawaii on Friday, Friday before she leaves on Monday. So I tell them, okay, fine, I'll take that appointment. And they write down my information. And I'm thinking, you know, if I have to, maybe we can book a flight to Hawaii and and get the paperwork done and be back. But as soon as I get off the phone with them, I call my mom and I say, Mother, please pray for us because this is the situation. I explain it to her. So so please pray. I hang up with my mom and I immediately call back the passport office just to check and see if there's been any cancellations. And they said, oh, actually, yes. If you can be to Dallas in two hours, we have one there at 10. Well, we are about two hours from Dallas. And I said, yes, we can be there. We grab the paperwork, jump in the car, stop and get her passport photos made at Walgreens on our way and book it to Dallas, get there just in time. They process the paperwork and she has a new passport in hand on Friday before leaving on Monday. So I think this was Tuesday that she realized she didn't have her passport. Wednesday, we go to the office and Friday, she has the new one in hand. So again, that was definitely a God thing. I call my mom back. Thank you so much for your prayer. She has like a direct line with God and he was so faithful to answer in a big miraculous way. But whether he is providing in those big miraculous ways when you're really in a pickle and you have no idea how you're going to get out of it or in small steady ways by giving you a steady, reliable job and good health and the strength to do that job, recognize the fact that everything we have comes from His hand. The air we breathe, the food we eat, the roof over our heads. What do we have that God hasn't given us? I love reading missionary biographies of great men and women of the faith like George Mueller and Gladys Elward and so many others. We have a whole set of missionary biographies on our shelf, which are wonderful to hear of how God has provided for them in their hour of need. And then also, I love hearing stories of missionaries we know personally, stories of God's miraculous provision and intervention, stories I can't share here because it might compromise their work and safety, but they're amazing, amazing stories. And I love reading historical accounts that demonstrate God's faithfulness to families who put their trust in Him. The Little House Books by Laura Ingalls, especially The Long Winter, is a great uh, read for that. Little Britches books by Ralph Moody, especially Mary Emma and Company and Shaking the Nickel Bush and Man of the Family. Really, the whole set is just one story after another of God's intervening in their life and providing for them. Then Cheaper by the Dozen, Bells on Their Toes, those were other great books that show God's hand in providing. I love also Psalms 37:25. Once I was young and now I am old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. And that is so true of me. I have never seen that. I'd encourage you also to write down your own stories of God's provision. I've done that in the form of our yearly Christmas letters that 
that we send out to friends and family. And our family rereads all those old stories aloud to our children every year, beginning at about Thanksgiving and continuing right through December and into the new year so that they will remember the faithfulness and mercy and grace that God has poured out on us from the very beginning. And I know if you ask Him, He will do the same for you. Thanks so much for listening today. If you have a question you'd like to hear covered on this podcast, message me on Instagram at Flanders underscore family or contact me through my website, lovinglifeathome.com. Before you go, if you've been encouraged by something you've heard on the show, do me a favor and forward the link to a friend or head over to Loving Life at Home on Apple iTunes to subscribe and leave a written review of the show. Your doing so will help others find me so they can listen too. Until next time, I pray the Lord will bless your efforts to build a loving home life centered on Him.